This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. On this episode, we have Catherine Bastian, Product Marketing and Strategy at Deliver Hero. Catherine, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Terrific. Thank you for coming. Okay, so try to remember a situation when you're trying to create a problem, and no matter how you're trying, it is all in vain. In fact, we all have this situation. And the reason for a failure to solve it can be that we simply couldn't think out of the box, so to speak. Now, we know that you're not sitting with a box on your head as you're thinking. It was just a metaphor. On today's episode, we want to tackle this question. How do you apply out-of-the-box thinking to app user retention? But before doing that, let's talk about you, Catherine, first. Tell us about yourself. How did you get into growth marketing? Definitely. So I actually originally studied English literature at UC Berkeley. And after graduating, I was working a communications role and started toying around with the company's website. And I got really excited about the power of code. At the time, I was just changing the background color or making a small archive, but I knew this was something that I really wanted to learn. And then when I was working as a UX strategist at a B2B agency, I took a lot of after hours coding projects so that I could really learn more about coding and eventually got the opportunity to work with a team at Google as a full-time developer. And it was a fantastic learning opportunity and really thrilling to contribute to the Google code base. And then I switched to a role at Lyft where I had the opportunity to work in the growth department with really brilliant people who were enthusiastic about experimentation and a data-driven mindset and finding new levers for growth. And that's when I got really hooked on growth marketing and this ability to bring together the strategic and technical backgrounds and use it to start to understand customers and their psychology even better. And I'm also really interested in lifelong learning. So in addition to my current role at Delivery Hero, I'm also taking psychology courses at Harvard University. That's terrific. We're on the same page about you know lifelong learning. That's the really good quality. Keep learning no matter like how old are you. It's always useful for you, for your life, for your brain. All right, so let's talk about the company you're working for. I doubt there are people who don't know what Delivery Hero does, but you know, for the benefit of those folks who don't, tell us about your company and what it does. Definitely. So Delivery Hero, if you haven't heard of it, it's one of the leading online food ordering and delivery marketplaces globally. We actually operate in over 45 countries in Asia, Europe, Latin America, the Middle East, and North Africa a lot of places, and our business values, including delivering solutions and aiming higher and caring about our customers, play a central role in everything that we do. Okay. Now, I think many listeners probably heard about uh, out-of-the-box thinking and perhaps even seen a bunch of memes online that, you know, gave them the impression of what it's all about. 
But what is your definition of out-of-the-box thinking and what do you put into, into this term? Yeah, that's a great question. I do think out-of-the-box thinking means a lot of different things to different people and also in various contexts. And that definitely has to do with the, I'd say, fluidity of the concept itself. By nature, it's not static. I mm -hmm. kind of picture it like being stuck inside a figurative box where the walls right. are made up of assumptions and a worldview that we spent a lifetime developing. There's a well-known developmental psychologist named Jean Piaget, and he has a wonderful quote, what we see changes what we know and what we know changes what we see. So we quite literally have evolved to see the world based on our personal understanding of it, which involves creating categorical assumptions. And in order to combat this, out-of-the-box thinking has to be this explosive process where we come to understand what those assumptions and worldviews are. And then we can begin to break free of them by asking questions and testing as part of an iterative process. And building off of uh, what Piaget said, what we ask changes what we think, that we can start to change what we do. So it really has to do with this core of being curious and asking questions that destabilize potentially fallacious beliefs. Right. So in a sense, the, I don't think there's other way to perceive the reality around you, uh, except put everything into categories. This is how we think about the, you know, day-to-day -day life. I don't think there's other way to make sense, to process information, but the same process that helps you to perceive your reality to you know, make plans for work for, you know, for your whole life may put you into trouble if you are trying to attack the problem, and you are not taking the different angles on the same issue. You are not thinking unconventionally. You are just trying over and over to do the same thing, expecting the different result, and you are not getting the different result if you are taking the same angle. Can you give us a few examples of the opposite inbox thinking? and how it may influence the decisions you make. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of inbox thinking modes out there because of exactly as you mentioned, this tendency to think in categories. And, but I, yeah, I would love to go over some of the biggest troublemakers that I've sure. personally come across. And so the first is the thought, well, this worked in the past. This is more often than not a false assumption. We, we only used to use paper maps, and if we'd stuck with that, then we probably wouldn't have directions to anywhere in the world on a little device we keep in our pockets. So as Ford famously said, if I'd asked what people wanted, they would have said faster horses. And I've given the example in the past of using voucher values that turned out to be outdated. So it's, it's worth testing them to make sure that the values that you're using make sense and to continue iteratively testing them. Uh, to keep up with the landscape that's also continually shifting. Another form of inbox thinking is the idea they said it would work this way. Uh, just because something is common wisdom or soapbox speakers of the day say that it will work does not necessarily make it correct. So this is why it's not important only to have the capacity to question, but also the ability to participate in a healthy discussion. So someone might hear about a growth tactic in a blog article and try implementing it for their business, which may work or not, uh, but it's important to test it rather than to take it as a given. And lastly, and perhaps the most difficult to spot is this would work for me. And here the idea of a false consensus effect plays a really big role. So this is the effect that describes 
how we as humans overestimate how likely someone else is to react based on how we ourselves would react to something. So for example, you might be comfortable only receiving a push notification from a company once a week, but mm -hmm. this is not a universal truth. We've actually seen this at Delivery Hero. In some countries, we can send multiple push notifications to a user in a day, and it still has a positive effect. So your customers are diverse, and they come to your product for its unique value proposition. And so it's worth mm -hmm. testing what works for them uh, in your unique product. And in all of these instances, uh, questioning from a place of curiosity is pretty much the, the tool for breaking free uh, of these walls and these ways of inbox thinking. Right, that's an excellent point. In fact, the way we plan for the future using our experience from the past, we'll, even there's a, you know, the same area of your brain that is responsible for planning into the future is responsible for recalling your previous experience. But you have a diverse team. They have different experience. They have different opinions. You may pick up examples from marketing campaigns from other companies. If you take ideas from there, they will help you to get out of your box and think uh, out of the box. And assumptions are a good thing to do but question your assumptions. Do not just, you know, follow automatically by, you know, a set in stone path uh, over and over. And this is how we can tackle hard uh, marketing problems and, uh, you know, push the envelope further. Now let's talk about app user retention strategy. Is there one solution, you know, one that fits for all or not? And if not, what would you suggest app marketers to do? What questions should be raised? Yeah, I think that's really important to take into consideration that sometimes you might have a, an instance where you're bringing educated assumptions into the, into the picture. And this actually reminds me of something that one of my Harvard professors recently discussed. So he presented a psychological article that advocates for a new approach to studying ADHD. And he said that while the findings themselves might not be universally applicable, the method of unearthing them can be. And this is also true for coming up with a retention strategy. So there's an important distinction between the findings, so X tactic works for my customers, and the methodology behind that finding. What this means is that it's methodological approach that really matters. There are also a ton out there that you can choose from. Neil Patel and Brian Balfour present some really interesting ones, but what they all boil down to is that you need to do three things. So the first one being approach the customer problems as opportunities to identify where assumptions are being made. Secondly, identifying insights and elements such as the content. What are you doing? What are you treating the customer with? And what are you not doing or not treating the customer with? And thirdly, testing new and better ways of doing whatever it is that you're doing to your customers. And to give you an example of this, I actually, got the opportunity at Delivery Hero when I first started to rebuild a lot of the lifecycle campaigns in collaboration with the team, including our retention strategy when we, when we first started. And we knew that we had to make some educated assumptions about what to apply as part of these campaigns. And what we did was we went to the local teams and we asked them to give us a range of nine different voucher values from low to high in 14 different countries. 
And we used those to test. So we knew that we didn't know the perfect voucher value to give our customers, but we knew that we wanted to know. And that first step of knowing what you don't know and then start to, to follow the process of figuring it out uh, is really a key part of this where, yes, you know that you are making educated assumptions, but now you know why you're doing them and how you're going to, to test them. And uh, we are still testing voucher values to this day. We test over 150 different voucher variations on a segment of our users continually so that we know that our findings are the most up-to-date. And I think that's just one kind of microcosm of the way that you can take something that you don't know and rather than making an assumption and just putting a number there uh, to actually go and start to question your assumptions and learn and create something new and better as a result of that. Okay, uh, great. And finally, what are key takeaways would you like listeners to have after listening to this conversation? I'm thinking the next day they're you know, getting back to their marketing plans, looking at the screen, thinking about uh, what needs to be done to improve the situation, to raise the number of um, users, to find the way to make them loyal, to battle this, uh, you know, depressing number of people who are just falling off from using the app after the first day, the seventh day, after months. What are the key takeaways you would like them to keep in their head so they can be more productive and overcome these obstacles? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I hope the next time that everyone goes back to their office or their home office, uh, that this, the, what they've learned from this conversation can help shed some light on how much uh, our worldview and therefore our strategy or approach to marketing is often subconsciously colored by our assumptions. And then to remember that that doesn't make us powerless, uh, but rather that empowers us to question and test those assumptions to improve users' experience of our products and also hopefully in the end, their lives. And lastly, it's not a one and done process, but rather a continual evolution of learning. And yeah, I hope that they can go forth and think outside the box. Great, thank you. Now I have a few quick questions that are not related to the major topic, but just to paint the better picture of who you are. And these are the following. Are you iOS or Android person? iOS. All right, one more box is ticked. The stack of iOS folks is bigger at this point after a fifth, 50 plus episodes, yeah, it's definitely bigger. Uh, do you remember your first mobile phone, you know, from the pre-smartphone era? No, I had a Motorola Razr, one of the, the flip phones, and not the, not the new style Razr, but the original mm -hmm. flip with the buttons. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, good old days with the buttons on your phone are gone. Uh, what is your favorite app right now? I've actually been loving the Down Dog app. It's a yoga app, and it's really gotten me back into doing yoga on a daily basis. So I'm super grateful to it. Cool. Uh, okay, if you're looking at your iPhone and thinking, would it be great to make it, this thing better from a you know, perspective of software, hardware, what that would be like? What technologies you would like to see in this device that would make would make it more efficient, more useful for you? No gimmicks, no hype, no just you know because this is something that everybody is looking for. But for you personally, 
Yeah, for me personally, I'm really excited for augmented reality to get to a point where we no longer hold devices in our hands or look at uh, computer screens. I tried on glasses one time and I was able to move objects around in front of me and put them kind of off screen and then look back mm -hmm. and they'd still be there. And I think it's a really cool future where hopefully I won't be a hunchback anymore. You know, sometimes I have a fear of becoming the hunchback of Berlin. So uh, definitely looking forward to looking up rather than looking down. Great. Okay. Now, before I let you go, how can people get in touch with you and know more information about what you do? Yeah, please uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm there as Catherine Boston and uh, connect with me, uh, write me a message. And uh, there's also catherineboston.com. That's my website also has a message uh, functionality as well. Great. Thank you. Thanks a lot for your time and coming on our podcast, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you today. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Catherine Bastian, Product Marketing and Strategy at Delivery Hero. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. We release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.